If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Art of Awesome show number 78. I kind of I kind of stood up and said, no, this is the way I want to ride. This is the way I want to do it. And if the contest, if I'm not winning heats doing it that way, that's all right, because that's just not my style. And I started to kind of understand that, like, it's okay. And now doing what we're doing, um, I think style and holding to your own style and being yourself is like bar none the most important. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about. Wait! Okay, now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to the Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together, searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to The Art of Awesome. I am your host, Nick Troutman, and this is the show where we search for that secret sauce to success and the difference between the average and the awesome. Today is Monday, so we have another deep dive interview and conversation with a great friend of mine and someone who is truly awesome and really does, I don't know, he has led that life to success and has separated himself most definitely from the average to the awesome. Uh, Chuck Patterson is someone I get to talk with today, and he has a very unique story and just this incredible athlete that honestly has done pretty much every sport out there. He has not only been a full-on true waterman and professional big wave surfer, stand-up paddleboarder, kiteboarder, windsurfer, outrigger, all that stuff, but he's also been a professional snow sports athlete, so professional snowboarder and skier, and just honestly, he's really done it all, and, and we dive in deep all about his story, about becoming a professional in sports, what he did when he was younger, what he's doing now as he has been a professional athlete and sponsored athlete for 30 plus years now. And he gives a lot of advice for young up and coming athletes and just kind of like how the world of sponsorship is different now, what we need to be doing right now to be and keep relevant. And also he speaks a lot about just being authentic, being you and just doing what you want to do instead of, you know, being told or kind of trying to be put into a mold of, of what others think you need to do. So very cool story. Um, Chuck has some incredible messages to share. And this truly is just a conversation that I look forward to sharing with you guys. 
because I guarantee you guys you're going to get something out of this. There, there's just so many, you know, nuggets of gold, as I like to say, that that Chuck uh, gives us and and drops during this whole conversation. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Here is Chuck Patterson. Chuck, thank you so very much for joining me here on The Art of Awesome. It's super stoked. Um, I always love chatting with you and following your adventures and stuff. And uh, it's nice to kind of re-catch up, so to speak, uh, you know, in light of uh, like the uh, GoPro Mountain Games and then all the stuff we do with GoPro. So um apt to, to be here, dude. Stoked. Awesome. Well, thank you, Chuck. You are honestly just like an incredible athlete, a, tr a true waterman. You kind of do everything. You're Big wave surfer, stand-up paddleboarder, kiteboarder, windsurfer, outrigger. You, you do the new foiling that's been going on. But you're even more than that because then you do all the snow sports too. You're you know, a snowboarder, skier. And as you said, we've been getting you into the kayak as well, which has been pretty cool. You also like bike and fly. I mean, honestly, I, I see your Instagram and I'm just like, I'm always blown away because there's like something else that you're doing. And... <laughs> It just, I feel like you do every sport anyway. Um, and what's cool is that you've been doing it at this like professional level and you've been a sponsored athlete for something like 30 years now, which I consider pretty legendary. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how did it all like start for you? How, do you? how does someone become a pro skier, snowboarder and a pro surfer, like waterman, all these sports? Like, because... It's hard to, like, I don't know. I don't think, I, I see the waterman sports being that, you know, they're all in the water, surfing, stand-up, kite, all that stuff. I can see how you could you could maybe do all those. But the surfing and the, the skiing are like, they're not even in the same seasons, yet alone the same <laughs> area. How, how do you get on, like, pro status and pro level of, of two drastically different sports like that? Well, dude, as you would know, it... it Definitely, I was very fortunate to have awesome parents that were, my mom, uh, I mean, bringing it way back, uh, you know, my mom was a professional ski racer from Austria, so in Germany, and she was, uh, you know, one of those do whatever it is that you love and don't care about what people think and you know and so i'm sure i got that from her and and my dad was a strict disciplinarian he was a um, nuclear physicist so i had kind of had the best of both worlds so to speak but i really kind of um was drawn more to you know how my mom just attacked you know things that she loved to do and when it came to sports that to me you know from the get-go was the first thing that i just I just, that empowered me. I just was super into it. And I felt a true freedom where I could express myself. And when I was young, I didn't really, you know, have a clue, but I knew that was the funnest stuff to do. And as far as school went, well, you know, I was good at school. I do just enough work to make it happen, but my mind was outside the classroom, you know? And uh, so my mom would take me out of school, you know, early to go ski and and um, and then, you know, as I got older, um, she was a, also a professional windsurfer. So I would go with her, you know, and anything to get out of class, you know, which does, isn't the best message. But for me, it was like that kind of, you know, I, I she gave me the opportunity to really kind of chase things. And she kind of laid it out like, hey, I need a partner. You know, I want you to hang out with me. But at the same time, this is kind of cool. You should get into it. And uh, I just kind of, you know, going from skiing and then having the windsurfing side, you know, adding the water to it at a young age was was awesome. But um, I kind of 
you know, skiing was kind of one of the best platforms. I started skiing when I was around two and a half years old and, wow. you know, actually grew into that. And then to find a sport at a young age like that, where you can go as fast as you want downhill, you're dealing with, you know, um, not, not having a fear of heights because you're on a chairlift or you're skiing steep mountains. Um, and then you have your own true freedom on how you basically ski down a hill and whatever. And, and, and when you're young and getting started, it's all kind of new. So you're just kind of doing the basics. But as you start to get older and, and more repetition and you get in the zone, um, I wanted to emulate, you know, certain heroes that were, you know, like skiers and stuff. And I was always one of those that was about observation. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I just didn't like when someone said, Hey dude, let me teach you how to do this. Or let's take a lesson that to me was just garbage. I, I was like, I, I felt like I was above that whether I was or not, but I was like, no, I can figure this out. I'm a problem solver. I'm going to do this. So I'd watch people and see what they did. And then of course I learned way better, you know, trial by error, like making massive mistakes, taking beatings, whatever. But that's when it kind of got drilled in my head. And I was like, all right, dude, don't do that. Don't go that fast. Don't go sending it off a cliff without looking at, you know, where the landing is, you know, and, and funny stuff like that. So I just kind of like just started getting into it and had a super big passion for sports and being outside and being able to kind of express myself. And so that kind of led me as I got older, um, you know, I explored it, you know, snowboarding, which was on the snow side and then having the windsurfing side from my mom. Uh, we went on this trip to Hawaii to, um, you know, host her or, or check out, you know, one of her big races. And then that's when I got introduced to surfing and that was like 13. So kind of a late bloomer when it comes to surfing, you know, but uh, the funny part was I, I rented a boogie board, you know, and I got a bunch of waves. And then the day we went home before, you know, in the airport, I bought a surfer magazine and I read it from, you know, cover to cover and was like, that's what I want to do. And then, you know, a month later, you know, my through hard work at home and my dad, you know, was like, all right, let's go to the surf shop. And I got a surfboard. And uh, the funniest thing was, cause I was so, you know, you got this brand new board and you're all excited and happy and you kind of go out the, you know, you're going out of the shop and just making sure you don't hit it. And my dad grabs it and he goes, dude, he just grabs it, you know, in his hand and he drops it on the pavement <laughs> and it dips a nose and I freak out and start crying. And then I'm like, oh my God, why'd you do that? He goes, now you can relax because it's not going to get hurt anymore. I'm like, oh my God. I was like, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. I was like, really? You know, he goes, now you can really ride it and enjoy it and have fun. And so it was, you know, funny lessons like that. But in moving on, I just went from one sport to another that kind of complemented what I was already doing. And I think skiing really allowed me to, you know, enjoy speed, um, sending it, doing big airs, um, which then in the water was kind of the same thing, which I had that draw for riding big waves, you know, having to work really hard to paddle out in those big, you know, conditions and getting hammered and taking an hour to finally get out and then making a big drop all kind of was had the same similarities to skiing. And then the speed of dropping in on waves and, you know, it was, it was killer. And then I just kind of had these opportunities that just blew up where skiing, I started figuring out that um, I can make money, 
you know, uh, shooting with photographers. And back then it was all about magazines and doing competitions. And um, so for me, I wasn't really competing a ton, but uh, I, I started going, all right, well, if I video and do a bunch of magazines, get some covers, a bunch of shots in the mags, I'm gonna get sponsors. And then from there, I'll use that as a base and then keep working myself through it. And then uh, I, probably like you, I, I have a hard time sitting still. So, um, you know, in seasons always changing, I would always find what's the next best thing, what's new. I don't want to do something that everybody's already doing. I always wanted to find that next high, so to speak. So it got me into, you know, basically big wave surfing. Um, then I, from the wind sports, you know, took my windsurfing into the waves and then also got introduced to kiteboarding and it just kept going and then i got into wakeboarding and i started competing in all these different things finding out that the true success at least where i could make money was if i was good enough to get sponsors and shoot and get content i was able to get sponsors and at some levels i was being paid and the more i worked at it the more money i made and then if i was i'd like made really good money skiing and the rest of the sports, it was kind of just starting to develop for me, but sponsors didn't dig that I was doing so many different sports. They're all, hey, you got your head in the clouds. You're going everywhere. We need you to really concentrate on one thing. And for me, that was boring and kind of average. <laughs> and for me, I wanted to stick out and be unique. And, you know, I was like, that's not my style. So I really, it really drove me to go, all right, I'm going to use the money from skiing and use that to facilitate my flights to Hawaii to go and, you know, push and drive myself to big waves and do different things. And then suddenly it started to all come into kind of a, a better package where I was, I labeled myself as a kind of a combined multi-sport athlete, which back then wasn't cool. But for me, it allowed me to go from one season to another, enjoying the best sports, you know, from big waves to, you know, wind sports, to skiing and snow, and then even dirt, and then just, um, and be able to get paid and, and, you know, really understand the business side of things. And then I got to meet some of the best athletes that were like number one, you know, in those sports, and we became friends, and I really got to kind of see, you know, the best way to do it and emulate, you know, my heroes and, and then kind of just took it from there and then just added my own style and, and passion to it to where, where I'm still doing it today, you know, and, and at the end of the day, it's very hard to, you get very caught up, you know, in competition in sports. And I found my true happiness was when I was just riding free and expressing and doing my own thing without having this, these guidelines of, okay, Hey, you know, you're only going to, you know, make it in this contest if you, you know, get the barrel or you surf like this or whatever. And, and I really enjoyed the freedom of just expression. And um, I think that allowed me to kind of create, you know, my own style and who I was and, and kind of push on. And the more, you know, I got into sports and, and the sponsors, you know, gave me more support and um, it allowed me to have a lot more confidence. And then I kind of just broke out of my own, you know, mold and, and just started doing my own thing and finding happiness through that and then sharing that with other people just, um, you know, kind of turned into a, a lifestyle that uh, I've been doing for so long and I'm still trying to milk it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> 
That is such an incredible story. I, I love the whole thing. And there, there's so many aspects of that, that, that I'd love to, you know, dive deeper into. First, I love that just the very beginning that your mom is like taking you out of school and stuff like that. But your dad's this like, um, <laughs> like physicist who's, who's like way more disciplinary. Like, was he like upset? Was he like more like, no, you should be in school while your mom's taking you out? Or was it, was he like, I'll oh, go for it. He, I think he was, he was very supportive when I was young because he kind of thought of like, well, that's really good for him to be active and stuff. And as I got older and I was in high school, you know, I got into surfing. And so we were living in, um, in Northern California in the Bay area. So we were about an hour from the coast, but once I got introduced to surfing and figured out how to get there without my parents or getting a ride, um, I got truly addicted. And it was one of those things that, you know, my parents allowed me to have a lot of freedom. Like now it's a little bit different, you know, with the day and age and so many things going on, but we lived an hour away. Um, and, uh, I figured it out that I'd take my skateboard four in the morning and I'd have my surfboard and wetsuit and a backpack. And I would skate down my steep driveway and hill all the way down to the, to the, uh, you know, bus stop. I'd get the first bus that wasn't service. And I would take that bus, you know, 40 minutes downtown into East Oakland, which wasn't the best, you know, neighborhood. And I'd get on the subway that went, you know, underneath the Bay, you know, to San Francisco. And I'd get off at the, you know, third exit, whatever. And then I'd get on a, um, a kind of a, like a monorail, um, like train that went all the way to the coast to, or to the beach, ocean beach, which was, you know, in San Francisco. And uh, that's where I made some friends and ended up surfing as many times as I could do. And it was a two hour, you know, one way, you know, each, each, wow. each way. So it was kind of a big deal, but I was so into it. So on weekends I would go for it and I really kind of, it opened my eyes to do that. So of course I took it to the next level and then I'd start to do it during school days and I'd skip some first periods and second periods and then come to find out, you know, the first grading period, I had flunked out two classes and mm. they were marginal classes. Like I could have done them in my sleep. And that's when my mom got pretty upset. And my dad was just livid. And so, that, so my mom and dad had separated um, just shortly before and still live very close to each other. But, uh, so my mom was was super upset and she goes, you know what, you're obviously not taking this serious. You're taking the freedoms to a whole nother level. And um, I think you should go to military school, you know, and I was like going, you know, or move to your dad's, you know, and, and I was trying to be all like, well, I'll just do military school. It's like no big deal, you know. And so they had this this um, test called an ASVAB test. I think it was kind of a placement test to the better you got, the higher you could go in and then kind of enlist at a higher level. And then obviously you still had to do the gnarly training, but it allowed you to kind of be at a higher percentile. At least that's what I thought. And you could take it as many times as you wanted. So I took it, I think like three or four times and got myself like the scores, you know, up at top. And I just was thinking like, no big deal. Then all my friends that I surfed with or skied with or whatever, had this little mini intervention one weekend and we're like, bro, you go and do that and we're never going to see you and you're never probably going to do sports again. You know, they scared the crap out of me. And I was like, what do you mean? You're all dude, the government owns you and that's that, you know, and you'll be gone four years, but more likely that'll be 10, whatever. And I, you know, being a teenager, I was going, really? 
And so I read up a little bit on it, but we didn't have, you know, it was before internet. And so, you know, I was like, all right, this is, that's nuts. I don't want to do that. So <laughs> tail between my legs, I moved to my dad's. And then my dad was like, all right, now I got you. And if you're going to live with me, this is what you're going to need to do. You're going to need to apply yourself 150% in school, do all your homework. And if you do just that, I will get you and let you do anything you want. And of course, I tested it a couple times and, and, you know, found out that he was really serious and, and I wasn't going to get anywhere without doing the work. And so I put my head down, went to school, put the work in, and I found out the more I did it and the quicker I did it, I got, you know, my grades up and I started doing great. And my dad finally just, you know, let up the reins a little bit and brought me surfing, you know, allowed me to go skate and my freedoms came back. And for me, that was an eye opener where I was like, you know what, you can't get anything for free. If you really want it bad enough, you're going to have to work for it. And so I kind of went through that with him. And then, you know, he, he really taught me a lot about just putting my head down, focusing and having confidence in the process. And everything else will fall into place. And that was really what I needed, you know? And so um, in doing so, I, you know, graduated, you know, straight A's my last year, you know, in high school. And, and my dad was like, you have no excuse to not be able to do that anytime, you know? And, and after that, I was like, can't do my work, dude. I'm over it. I'm, you know, I need to, I need to get in sports now. And so in doing so, um, my family owned a couple of hotels up in Lake Tahoe. And so I was like, what a great idea. I'm going to go up and uh, live there and help run, you know, my family's business and then ski every day. And I was like, dude, that's the true life. So I milked that, got that going. And, um, and then it came down to, um, I finally got this incredible opportunity from a, from a windsurf sponsor that um, I was gonna get paid. And then I was gonna drive this big truck around the continental US and do these big demos and then compete on the weekends and just make money. And the way I looked at it as I could do this and just start just throwing money, you know, in the bank and not touching it. And this would be a great opportunity to kind of really get things rolling. So my dad was just, you know, it wanted me really to go to school. And how, I had how old are you at the time? I think I'm like, um, had just turned, I think 20 or 21. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, school was a huge deal. And I had an opportunity to, you know, um, Berkeley and all that because my dad was in the system. And if I really applied, I was that's where I was going to go. And um, when all this came through, I was like petrified to tell my dad, you know, what was going to go on. And, and so I kind of waited, you know, and, and we were kind of getting everything dialed for school. And I kind of waited to the last minute and then finally had to get it all together and, and went to my dad and I said, dad, um, you know, and he's like, I'm sitting there just trying to figure out my words. And he's like, spit it out. Like, what do you got? You know? And I said, dad, I got this insane opportunity, you know, to um, work with the sponsor that I've been trying to get for a long time. And I'm able to make money all year long and pave my own way and wouldn't have to be a burden on the family or whatever. And, and, uh, he just let me spill my guts out and try to sell it. And he already knew. And he was like, why did it take you so long to tell me? <laughs> and I told him, I'm all dad, because I was freaked out that you're going to be super pissed at me. And, and so what he, what he basically said, which was great words that I live by, was whatever you do, you know, stay focused and do it at 150% and never look back. 
And if you have any doubt in your mind right now, then it's a waste of your time. And I, you know, sat there for probably 10 minutes mulling it all over. And I said, I'm going, I'm doing it. And the funny thing was prior to that, my dad had a lot of science, scientist partners and stuff that would come over for dinner they'd always just barrage me with like so where are you going to school and what are you going to do for yourself son you know what are you going to make of yourself you know and and i i always pushed towards sports and they would always go waste your time you know it's an education and back then education was like kind of a mandatory thing you know and and i said yeah i know but i i think i have this knack and there's a way to make money and they're all dude you're gonna blow it don't don't waste your time so I kind of had that eating at me to where I kind of wanted to prove the naysayers, you know, along with telling, you know, showing my dad that I could be a success, but it was kind of freaked out because I mean, you know, it was kind of a scary time. You just didn't know if it was all going to work, but I did know that if I loved it and I could do the hard work like I did in school and I just applied myself and long story short, I ended up getting my commercial truck driver's license. I drew this big 40 foot trailer you know at a young age i shouldn't even been be in a truck and i'm going into these truck stops and riding in a log and doing all this stuff that you know truckers do but those guys are all old guys or whatever and you know i'd come out with flip-flops and you know have them check the truck and at the way station and these guys would look at me like what did you steal that truck like son do you know what you're doing you know and i was like um oh yeah 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 i'm just trying to drive cross country because i hate the dirt and i need to get to the next big body of water you know <laughs> so that's what i ended up doing for three years and it kind of set me up you know freedom going to different places meeting new people and exploring more of new sports and that kind of set the foundation of where I love to travel. And that's what I wanted to do. I made friends everywhere and really just enjoyed that lifestyle and kind of made it my point to push on. And, and the more I figured out the business side of things to where I could make money, promote myself, promote my sponsors. And um, it just kind of grew more and more. And then obviously now, like where we are today or in the last 10 years, um, you know, with computers and the social media age and content contests were still, still there, but not at a higher level. Now it's turned into in a weird way. Like what's your, you know, how, how do you look on, you know, social media? What's your following? You know, um, do you engage, you know, how's your engagement? Um, you know, how do you, in my mind, how do you brag about yourself, you know, and get people to follow you, which was such a, weird thing because I always liked letting my actions speak louder than than me talking about it you yeah. know and um, it was a weird thing to get into and so my sponsors later on were like look you know something like Instagram or you know promoting yourself through that will be you know beneficial for you and for us and I kind of got into it lightly and then it, and then it grew and it's still something I'm totally learning and not, not the best at, but it's definitely, I mean, helped myself with sponsors and um, to kind of keep going and doing what I'm doing. And the nice thing is now we have a platform like, you know, really well, cause you're very good at it to share with people that don't have the same opportunities or lifestyle, but they dream about it. And so it's been a great way to kind of promote maybe a message or like for me, I always, I, it, it took me a while to go from being so stoked on what I'm doing and, and being in the moment to turn that around to go, 
I'm very lucky, you know, I'm very, I'm blessed to be able to do these things and not everybody can do it. So to be able to share that and, uh, and I had to kind of do some thinking and turn it around and go, it's not about me. It's about what I care about and being able to share that feeling with someone that's not able to do it, but allow them to feel like they're part of it. And um, so it's, it's been a great learning process and I'm still learning a lot about it, but um, it is a whole different ball of wax than when I grew up. And um, I'm, it's a, it's a love hate relationship because I loved what we had before. Cause it was, we did it because we loved it. And I still, that's my mantra, but a lot of times we get caught up with how hard the work is to get content. A lot of times we're doing things and, and I always think about you, you know, like how much work takes to put everything together to get your camera guys to find the most sickest line like a, you know a waterfall whatever and get the sickest content which is what you guys do all the time but once you put all that in works there's a certain pressure you get you know where i need to make sure i got the the camera angles dialed and and my gopros dialed and and you know i want to have that feeling from every angle and i also need to make sure that i make it and if i don't it's going to be great content too but i also don't want to push it to a level where you know i may do a mistake and never come back from it i've got a family and, and you know so there are these certain things that that are obligations and uh very important to to putting together but i think the people the mass media everybody out there doesn't fully understand so it's neat to see you know, athletes like you and, and so many others that um, really take the time to do it. And it's, it's taught me the same lesson, but there's that, that weird pressure, like surfing at Jaws, you know, and, and you're dealing with the GoPro camera and, you, and you're trying to make sure that it's all set. And then, you know, meanwhile, you've got this, these 40 foot waves coming at you and your heart's pumping, you know, a hundred, you know, beats a second. And you're just going, I just need to get out there. I don't want to get slammed. And suddenly you turn around and, you know, you go, did I lick, did I lick the lens? And you know, I got to splash it before I go take off. And then you paddle and you get up and hopefully you make it. And all that anxiety gets channeled into just focus. And it's a hard thing. And a lot of times you take a gnarly beating or you, your mind isn't 150% on that moment. And because you're trying to get, you're, you're juggling so many things for that moment where before it was about just you and that moment. And now we're bringing so many things in that it's a, I've gotten better at it, you know, but it's a lot of work. And I think people don't understand, you know, um, the full context, what goes into it. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And first, I think it's, it's awesome just to hear the story of, of your dad kind of just like giving you his blessing, but telling you like, if you're going to go for it, you got to give it 150%. And, and I think you're, if anybody has, you know, followed along, your story really projects that, that you obviously to make it to where you're at, to, to be a professional in so many different sports for, you know, 30 years, 30 plus years, whatever, you clearly have given that 150%. Um, and, and that's just awesome. Uh, I, it, I mean, I, I just, I truly love looking at what you've done and, and what you've created. Where do you think, like just talking about how you're, you know, in, in the moment where you're going from before where it was just about the competition or just about that, that moment, like competing or, or, you know, surfing or whatever it is. And now you're kind of in this like social media content creation world that we live in now. What advice would you have for maybe like young athletes that are coming up 
and this is all they've known is is the current you know space that we live in now where social media is such a prevalent part of of at least athletics in the sense of sponsorship and that kind of stuff you can obviously still be an athlete and not do social media but if you want to become a professional athlete you pretty like social media now is just part of the game so what advice would you have for for kind of you know the younger generation that's growing up and this is just all they've known i mean yeah it's it's a whole different world like for the person that comes in just like you said now i mean i feel a lot of people are dealing with that, a lot of young kids um for me i would say if you're truly passionate about a sport or a certain thing that you really like and that drives you and you can make your own and you do it for yourself first, not because you want to get a bunch of likes. Um, and it, it's a truly a way that you express yourself and that's who you are is I, the biggest thing for me is, is if you can stay true to yourself and not get sucked into the social media kind of hurricane because it because it is it is kind of gnarly i mean it's um i would just say hey if you got something that you truly love and are passionate about and you think about it daily and that's what you want to do and that or that's what you do um and that's something that you want to share and and with social media you know use those parameters to kind of maybe get sponsors or work up to something then go for it like don't don't be swayed by the naysayers or the people out there saying, Hey, dude, that's not cool. Or, you know, I think it's really important for people to express themselves and be true to who they are and the viewers that are out there. Like be yourself. Like, Hey, there's a lot of people that don't like me. It's a lot of people that probably don't like kayakers, you know, but we, I don't care. You don't care. We do it because we love it. And there's many people, millions of people that, love the same things that we do and love seeing people enjoy themselves and go through trials and tribulations of getting to that epic moment, that aha moment, um, and that are happy. And, and to, to me, there's great stories in everybody. And yeah. it doesn't matter if you're not as, if you're not a great surfer, but it's what you love. And I think nowadays a lot of that is lost. And I really enjoy people that exude what they love to do and they don't care what other people think, or they don't have this, this guidelines that they're all, um, you know, yeah, I don't like apples because, you know, um, they don't taste great, but I love applesauce. You know, I mean, there's like this weird thing where they, they play more to the, to the people that, because they may get embarrassed and that they don't allow themselves to really be themselves. And yeah. I think that's the cool sport, port, part of, of sports is where we are able to express ourselves and enjoy ourselves. And everyone has different styles. And that's what I think is the coolest thing. Like, I love, I think contests in a way, I, I don't know, for me back in the day, it, it uh, certain contests kind of made me have to try to fit in a mold that wasn't quite me and when i was outside of contests and able to either just free surf or ski or whatever i i found my you know style that i loved and 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 kind of just worked at it and then that was me and then as i got older and contests weren't that much of a ordeal but i kind of I kind of stood up and said, no, this is the way I want to ride. This is the way I want to do it. And if the contest, if I'm not winning heats doing it that way, that's all right, because that's just not my style. And I started to kind of understand that like, it's okay. And now doing what we're doing, 
Um, I think style and holding to your own style and being yourself is like bar none, the most important, you know, it's like be yourself and, and don't try to play up to the hype or what other people think you should be because the true, the top people out there that are, that are humble, that aren't braggers that just are doing their things. Let your actions speak louder than words yeah. are the ones that I think in my mind are the true success stories because they're the ones that I want to emulate. You know, I want to be behind somebody that sheds a tear because, you know, um, about animal abuse or our environment, you know, I mean, why not? It's just yeah. like, it's our life and we want to, <laughs> and, and, that's, and that's been kind of a big thing for me is to, work more at at really trying to be a better role model and and help a lot of the younger athletes understand that hey if you love something and it's your dream like chase it we're in a different age now where you don't have to go to school um there's so many different things you can do you know on the internet to kind of help you fire up a new business or help you follow your dreams and be creative and I think the kids nowadays are so good at that kind of stuff where yeah. I'm still learning it. But I think there's a sense of the sports and the drive that we had growing up back in the day and bringing that in now um, needs to keep going forward. And, and you need to do things because you love it. And um, I think that's my my big story that I keep <laughs> circling around to. No, yeah. I, I love that. I, I think everything that you just said there is so so valid and I, I couldn't agree more and and essentially I'd, I'd almost sum it up with just being authentic to who yeah. you really are I know that like I made that mistake with the whole like the introduction to social media and stuff where I would try to like post what I thought people wanted or what I thought maybe my sponsors would want like I, I was trying to feed what I don't know what I thought maybe I was supposed to do. And then at some point I just realized like, I'm just going to do me. And if people like it, great. And if they don't, that's okay too. I, I forget yeah. who told me or where I heard it. Um, but essentially like no matter what you do, you can try to do, you can try to be the, you know, you can try to make it so that everybody loves you. And there will always be somebody that doesn't, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't love what you do, that doesn't appreciate it, that doesn't like you, no matter yeah. what you do, there's always going to be somebody that's, that just doesn't like you. So don't worry about that. Worry about like what, what makes you happy and just do that. And if you just focus on that, people will love you for it. You know what I mean? Like there will be somebody out there that, that appreciates what you do. And <clears throat> if nobody does, I mean, if, if, if like, <laughs> if, if nobody still likes you, you know what? At least you, at least you like yourself. Do you know what I mean? Because you know that you're being authentic to yourself. I don't know. I, for me nowadays, I just I see, I see the mistakes that I've made, and I see how social media can can be so, I don't know, d divisive in in a way that like. Or well, it can almost can be kind of malip, uh, manipulative yeah. in a way where where you kind of think you have to do it in a certain way, right? To and, and then it's it's more like everybody's driven by like followers and likes. And I kind of got caught up in the same way. And I kind of look at it as like art, you know, some exactly. people go a great piece and other people goes, that's horrible. And I look at our styles and our sports and who we are authentically as the same thing. So a lot of people I go, I don't like that person's hair. 
I don't like the way they smile, you know, and or, or whatever, but, but that's okay. But I think you can gain more love or more appreciation for being yourself because it shows you have confidence. And that's the whole thing. I think if you love yourself, not, not way up here to where you're just like above everybody, but to a point where you love life and everything you do exudes that. And you have that confidence in being yourself and not worrying about what people think, but you also share a great message in like, Hey, I'm kind, you know, um, I love to help people and I want to help people that don't have the opportunities that I have to, to get there quicker and enjoy the same feeling. I think that's, that's a success right there. And I think more of the kids nowadays, I think need to understand that it's okay. Be yourself. I think there's so much pressure and now with what's been going on that I think um, our kids and, and aspiring athletes feel that um, they can't get out and do that or it's not the right thing to do. And I think that that comes into a whole nother conversation of depression and whatnot. And um, we all know sports is, is that great thing that allows you to be yourself and get out of that. And for me, I've always told myself that I will not die of boredom because I'm going to keep moving, you know? I love that. So. I love that. Uh, in in talking about you keeping moving and stuff like that, uh, Chuck, you're now 50. You're in your 50s, something like that. You're, you're in, you too, in, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're in incredibly great shape. Like for anybody who doesn't know, go look up Chuck on, on the internet and you'll just see this like – I call him the Hulk because you're just like, you look like the Hulk, just super strong, fit dude. How do you stay so fit? Like, are you just like going to the gym like every day? What is your diet like? And and you're always just full of just this optimism and energy. I don't know. When, when I get, when I get 50, I, I like, I definitely want to be like, like you and, and do what you do. So how is it that the, the rest of us can, can live a, a life even close to, to what you're doing? Well, it's funny because I was always a late bloomer when it came to that. I just was, I let my sports kind of do their thing. And then I kind of got in shape, you know, through the sports. And then as I got older, like in my twenties, I figured out that I needed more, you know, I needed to go to the gym and actually kind of prepare myself to keep myself out of the hospital, so to speak and injury free. And, you know, and, and all the sports we do when we push it, you know, we, you know, I, I've been very, very lucky that I have um, in being in training and kind of taking it more serious, like in my late twenties to thirties, um, that it's kept me out of the hospital. I've, I've had a lot of close calls where I've blown both my knees apart. And then instead of going under the knife, I just went into physical therapy and rehab and then wow. just went right back in the gym. And uh, it, some of it's mental, you know, it's like being sick, like, Oh, I feel sick. Well, it's, you know, mentally, you can kind of drive your whole body to think that way. And so for me, I always told myself, it's not that bad. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm linking, I'm limping, you know, I, I, I tore, you know, my ACL or whatever. And, and, but to what point? And so I kind of just told myself, you know, the more I train, the better I eat and take care of myself, that's going to keep me out of the hospital. And for a time there, I, you know, it was a weird, weird time. But I had health insurance and, um, you know, when you're younger, it's pretty expensive. And then when you're an athlete, um, if they know you're an athlete or a paid athlete, it becomes really expensive. So 
I small story. I'll I'll make it short. But um, I was skiing and doing these extreme competitions and traveling all over. And I I got this in regular insurance plan. Everything was great. And then I started getting a couple of my competitions would air on ESPN or TV. And suddenly I get a call from my insurance agent, you know, that goes, um, yeah, um, we need to put you on a different plan. You're part of the high risk category and you've been red flagged. And I was like, well, what does that mean exactly? And they're all, well, it's you're in a whole nother level. So we're looking at, you know, triple the amount what I was paying and, you know, I'm just putting all my money into sports and I'm, I don't want to waste it in that. So I ended up going without uh, health insurance for probably eight years. And I went full bore into the gym, trained. It was probably the dumbest thing I could have done, but knock on wood, I made it out of so many injuries that, um, and had just became headstrong that it kind of worked. But now obviously it's different. I played with it back and forth, but in going to your question, I train six to seven days a week, whether it's in the gym or doing pool training, like with this deep end fitness, you know, with um, a lot of uh, deep breath, um, you know, underwater uh, air management and and stuff like that. And um, I do that because I want to keep myself out of the hospital, but I still want to play at a high level. So um, for me, I, I train a ton. Um, I look at that as a day where I can't go, you know, and do a sport. Um, I at least have that hour and a half to two hour window of, of cranking that out. And then everything I do after that, which is pretty much at least five, six a days a week, I'm doing some kind of sport, whether I'm in the water, mountain biking, you know, skiing, whatever. Um, and that's just become my life mantra. So I'm always, I look at it, I'm working out probably four hours a day doing something, you know, and, wow. and that's kind of helped me stay mentally healthy, physically healthy. I have a gnarly drive. I cannot sit still like you. And I just take on a lot. And then I've been very fortunate. You know, my girlfriend's an incredible cook. Um, one thing I don't have to worry about, she makes insane food. So I can just gorge myself, do my thing. And, and she keeps me, you know, kind of right there. So I never, ever have to think about you know, eating and this and that and having to create stuff. And so I'm, I'm lucky in that respect, but I do have a gnarly sweet tooth that probably is to my demise on a lot of things, but I think that's just how it is. And, and um, so as far as people saying they have a cheat meal, I cheat every day. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I've, I've got that same sweet tooth. I'm like dark chocolate is, is my, in not my Me nemesis. <clears throat> yeah. Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> Tell us, yeah. tell so, us about this deep, this deep water fitness stuff. Cause I've been yeah. seeing you posting about it. Is it like, are you doing breath work too? Similar to like the, the Wim Hof style or like, I don't know if you know Wim Hof or not, but, um, yeah. cause it's a lot of like, obviously your guys are diving deep and doing like almost this like game of, I don't know what you call it with, with darts <laughs> or something like that, but, but torpedo. Yeah. torpedo. Yeah, there we go. Um, but do you find like something going on with more of the breath work as well? Or is it just trying to hold your breath? Yeah. So, so basically in like doing all the normal workout stuff and I look at it at the moments, like before we go and do something pretty heavy, like dropping in on a, you know, on a, on a big waterfall or me dropping in on a big wave or doing a big air on a cliff, a lot of it, and we don't even realize it is about breath and how we basically digest what we have coming in to get into focus. And I've learned more and more that the more calm I can make myself feel just before that 
that split second moment of I have to have you know 200% focus to do that and to make it out alive so to speak or to press on successfully is is breath work and so I've been doing a lot of it just on the side uh, I've read a lot of stuff you know from Wim Hof um, Laird has a great uh, program X XPT or, or something like that which he's been doing a lot with the pool workouts and then in and out and um, I got introduced to Deep End Fitness which is a program built um, by a bunch of military guys that um, used it to basically train a lot of people that are going into the military service, whether it's Navy, you know, um, Marines, um, you know, Army, um, to get ready for their in-water immersive, you know, um, kind of duties and stuff. And so it allowed them to understand, you know, breath work and um, being able to work at, at, you know, gnarly pressure and be able to calm, you know, their heart rate, bring it down and be able to, you know, um, still succeed and work at a high level. And so I learned a lot doing stuff like that. And then I read a great book uh, from a good friend of mine, um, Stig Severinsen, um, called uh, Breathology. And it really allowed me to kind of understand, you know, breathing and kind of give myself a moment for myself, um, you know, kind of like just being able to kind of zen out a little bit. Um, and I added that to all of my workouts and stuff. So going into the deep end fitness, um, I joined these guys and there was, you know, um, athletes, Olympic, you know, swimmers, there's UFC fighters, MMA, you know, men and women, there's all military, you know, style, you know, Navy, you know, whatever, um, triathletes, pro surfers, um, and water, water polo players and, and swimmers, you, you name it. And everybody kind of, get, you know, has come together and created this great community. And it's all about, you know, we deal with um, breathing up and getting, you know, all the air out of your system and then starting with, you know, good air and then doing these workouts. And it's, it's maybe 40% swimming, you know, like hard swimming and stuff. And then doing workouts kind of, you know, out of the pool, using the pool as, you know, you're doing gutter ups where you, you know, doing, you know, coming in and out with your, you know, arms and you're doing squats on the outside and you're doing all these different workouts to basically bring your heart rate up. And then you have to concentrate and bring your heart rate down and figure out your breathing pattern to where you can do long distances underwater and whether you're using you know, dumbbells and you're walking 25 to 50 meters, you know, um, and then, and then going into another workout. And so we do these circuits, you know, that are between 20 and 30 minutes long and we just hammer and do these. And it has a lot to do with bringing your heart rate super high up and then bringing it back down and controlling yourself with not much time to, to slow down yeah. and then do this under underwater high pressure stuff. And you start to learn mentally what you're possible, you know, what you're, you're, what's possible. And the more you do it, like in a workout, when you work out really hard and you really push yourself, you get blasted at the end. The more you start working with, you know, your diaphragm and, and getting your air intake and expanding more, you know, more and more um, throughout the workout, the more air you can actually take in and the longer you can hold your breath. So it's not, you don't get tired. You actually end up getting more dialed in and mm. you're able at the end of the workouts, I'm like going, I can be underwater for, 
you know, a couple minutes, like you're really, you know, into it. So it's, it's, this whole workout has just been, I think a lot of it is about being around these insane athletes and we've created this great community. And the neat thing is everybody's super humble. There's no attitude. Everybody comes in there with a different level of athleticism and they go in and we're all doing the same thing. And we are competing against ourselves. Basically, we are trying to push ourselves to the next level and having those people there to basically push you even harder or you're pushing someone else is what it's all about. And it's been such a rad community that I've become very addicted and being 52, not that I'm super old, but I mean, I'm at, a, at, a, at an older level and a majority of the people in this, in this, um, in this great program are in their, you know, twenties to thirties and they're pushing it hard and it, and it allows me to push myself and I've brought myself to a whole new level. And it's, it's given me this great confidence to go back into the water and, and not even think twice. Like, of course, I'm still going to get scared, but I, I have that confidence that, that I've done the work. And, and so it's really allowed me to be a lot more calm and apply that even to normal life of just before I get, you know, outraged on something or kind of tweak out where I'm just able to kind of like, dude, just, just chill out. You know, it's allowed me to kind of enjoy. And then this whole torpedo game has, it's a lot, it, it's kind of funny because people are like, dude, you guys are just ch chasing this little torpedo underwater. And the reason this game was developed was to allow people to worry about the task at hand. And that was, you know, basically being underwater and, and taught, you know, basically shooting this, little torpedo that's like this long, you know, across to another partner underwater and bringing it across the pool and trying to score a goal. And then you had five other individuals that were defending that goal that were coming in and basically grabbing you and shaking you around and trying to rip the torpedo from your hands. And it allowed you to not think about your breath work and think about, I need to get that torpedo to the other side. And so this was a great workout to get military, get guys dialed out, at just thinking about what they need to do and not worry about, oh my God, I have this, this sudden urgency to get, to go to the top, um, to get, you know, a breath. When the more you work at it, the more, the longer you can stay underwater. And so in doing this fun game, that was a, a training drill it turned into this insane game now that's kind of like, I like to think of it as uh, a mix between soccer and MMA. And it's, you know, you're underwater, you've got five guys on each side, you have a goalie and you've got two forwards and then two halfbacks and you basically can swim out in different pods or whatever. And, um, you know, you start out with the torpedo in the middle of the pool and there's a sudden sprint and whoever's the fastest. And it's always like the Olympic swimmers or the water polo players, you know, they get there and then you've got to pass it to one person before you can make a goal. So it really allows you to kind of, or forces you to kind of really, you know, think, get away from people and be able to, you know, shoot it to the next guy. And a lot of times there's interceptions and then you're allowed to go two on one and basically anything goes where you're just grabbing the guy and trying to rip it out, you know, of their hands. And this is all done on one breath. And uh, wow. the minute you go to the surface, you've got to let go of the, the uh, torpedo. And so you get one breath and you go back down and suddenly the torpedo is somewhere else. And so it's, when you watch the videos, it's insane. I mean, it's awesome. And when, when people just watch from the surface, it's kind of like, they don't really understand what's going on under on underwater, but it's become one of my most favorite 
ways to work out and train um, that I would easily bail on a good surf session to go do because it is so much fun. And there's so many different levels of athletes. Um, The women are as gnarly as any guy. Um, I mean, you know, they come up and just annihilate you, put you in a full stronghold and will rip it out of your hands. And you'd just be like, what just happened? You know I mean? So it's, yeah, it's just one of those sports that, that kind of has evolved from this whole training you know, program and um, with the community, it's, it's been great. So for me, it's just, I add that to my normal, you know, training at the gym and then being, you know, out in the environment and doing my sports. And it's just really complimented everything I've done. That's, that's super cool. I definitely, I'll have to try it out with you sometime. Uh, you're going to yeah. crush me because uh, <laughs> holding my breath hasn't necessarily, and swimming hasn't necessarily been my, my strong suit over the years. Um, and, but I, I want to check out that book, Breathology or whatever, because I, I do believe that the breath work, oh, epic. I'm going to have to read that. I'm going to definitely check that out. But um, yeah, breath work is just so powerful in so many different ways, whether it can be, you know, getting you to focus, getting you to relax, um, and and also just getting you to push beyond your perceived limitations. Um, I think when you just, even, even if you're just to like practice holding your breath in a, in a pool or your bathtub or whatever, your body will tell you like, Oh, you need to get air, but you can hold longer than that. And, and you can just like, you just have to like tell yourself like it's uncomfortable, but I can do it type thing. And, and it's almost, uh, like a great analogy for life. Like regularly things in life, people want to stop when it starts to get uncomfortable. But, exactly. but with that on, like when you're in that, uh, uncomfortable situation, like that's where the growth occurs. Do you know what I mean? So like when you go through the, the, that uncomfortable situation, that's when you come out on the other side, you know, stronger and, or better or have learning different lessons and different things like that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that breath work is, is an incredible thing that, that we could all work on. And I'll definitely check out that book. Yeah, I mean, dude, you, you hit you hit on something. I mean, getting out of your comfort zone, and we've all been there. But I think that is that is truly the one thing that you know, looking at what you do and and what I do, and many other athletes, I, I think that is, like you said, is where the growth happens. I mean, if we were to basically just do everything until we were uncomfortable and then not do it, we would never make it or see what what is possible. And I think sports wouldn't evolve things would just be marginal and it's great to see there's a risk factor but that's there's a way of like you said getting comfortable in those uncomfortable situations when it's risky and are you willing to risk you know how far can you push yourself and uh, i mean that's i think what has made athletes that much better and it's definitely helped me in doing so many things i can think on the times when you took me kayaking i have no role skills i can hold my breath but how long does that really help me and you know and and you have a great teacher you know what i what i'm capable of maybe more so than i am and but i'm still gonna go knowing that i may go upside down and have to pull the skirt and, and, you know, and swim. And that's part of the risk in wanting to learn something so bad, but I still need to learn how to roll and I still need to go spend more time with you. But I mean, I look at that kind of thing as being outside of your comfort zone is I think where, when life happens. 
Yeah, we'll we'll definitely get you learning to roll for sure. Um, I I know when we tried to like sneak into the pool at the hotel in Vail, and they 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 blocked us real quick. Um, but we'll get you we'll get you out rolling no problem because uh, you're you're just such an amazing athlete, and and I think you're gonna be able to pick up on that so quickly. One last thing I wanted to t- just touch on before before I kind of move on to the fire round um, is you've done this thing that. I, I think you're the only person who's ever done this. And so I kind of wanted to touch on it, but you have blended two of the main sports that you've done over the years, your skiing and your surfing. And you have essentially skied Jaws, which is one of the, you know, most infamous waves in, in surfing or one of the most notorious, you know, big waves in, in the world of surfing, uh, over on Maui in Hawaii. And how was that? Like, where did that idea come from? Were you not just like terrified or like, just kind of walk us through how someone decides to like ski or water ski or, or whatever, like ski surf. I don't even know what you call it, but take skis to Jaws. Well, all right. So the funny thing, I like, I call it wave skiing. It's not really a new sport or anything, but Anyway, so it basically long time ago, coming from a skiing background, I um, had a really good friend of mine that I look up to and it was a Red Bull athlete, Shane McConkey. Yeah, he's since passed, but um, insane skier that really kind of innovated where skiing kind of is now today. So ripping skier would go everywhere, go to Alaska, compete at the highest level possible. And, um, and he also did base jumping and stuff. And so he was in Alaska and he took a pair of water skis, mounted bindings to him and skied this insane line in Alaska. And, and um, I think he too was blown away how well it worked, but it, they were just wider and he could go as fast as he wanted and just rip the whole line. And everybody was like, whoa, that was trippy. You know, I was like, no way. And so in doing so, it started to make people think about changing the design and skis, make them wider, would be better, more surface area. He and I started talking because I had always been pushing the big wave thing for myself and always going to Maui and spending time there and, and had a big love for it. He goes, dude, this is so perfect for you. You should try to take a pair of skis and surf, you know, in, in the waves with it. And, you know, I was like, going, that's kind of cool. It's a cool idea. I started thinking about it. And I was like, ah, I don't know. And then finally I was like, you know what? I got to do it. So I got a pair of water, jumper water skis from um, HO, which had, you know, Hyperlite um, wakeboards and stuff that I used to ride for. And so I got them and they had bindings on them and stuff. And so I took the bindings, the regular bindings off and put ski bindings on them, you know, because, um, when you're going at high speed and bumps and all that, it was just, you could, you could hold the edge a lot better. And, and for me, it just made sense coming from skiing. So I did all that, put it together and went out to Maui and got towed in, um, at this outer reef, not at Jaws, but another one that was similar, but smaller. And, and um, got towed in a couple times and just the the speed from the the whip you know when you're doing a turn and you let go of the rope I basically would glide and get in this wave and I just glide so far and fast out of the wave because I couldn't turn the skis you know and I was like dude I don't know you know and I tried to turn so bad but they were so wide and there was no side cut or anything so I just have to like almost hop to make the turns and I kind of was like, well, this is not what I envisioned. This is not like how we are doing skiing downhill. And so I kind of was over it. So I tabled the idea and it was probably tabled for probably good eight years. And I had two good friends, um, 
Cody Townsend and like Douglas that are ripping, you know, free skiers that went back to that and they found some skis and innovated some new designs with some shapers. And they went to Maui for a month with like four different designs and started ripping, you know, started going back to that same spot that I went to and um, started actually making turns and doing tricks and stuff. And it was kind of more just a fun thing, but those guys definitely had something. So they came out with this video. I saw it. And I immediately contacted him. I'm like, bro, where can I get a pair of skis? I want to, you know, get back into this. And I was immediately fired up. And I got the skis, got a pair of custom ones made that were not plastic, that were just full fiberglass and and uh, with a wood core and put my own thing on, you know, on pinings and stuff. And then I went to um, one day, we had a, a pretty big swell in Northern California, Central Coast. I put them in a bag and we went and we went to go drop the jet skis in the water. And I had them in this bag because I was embarrassed. I didn't want anyone to know what I was doing. So I put them in the gunnel and then, um, and then I took my, my uh, ski boots that were in a bag and I put them in the front of the jet ski and hit them away. And people were going, dude, what, what's in those bags? I'm like, ah, something I'm working on. No worries, dude. Let's, you know, let's just get out there. So we get out and we were towing this wave and it's like 30, you know, 35, 40 foot faces and stuff. And we're towing, getting a bunch of waves. It's really fun. And and nothing gnarly, but a huge platform, like a, a perfect spot to, to try the skis. So we ride for like two hours and then I tell my partner, I'm like, bro, let's go to the side here. I wanna put these skis on. He's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So I'm putting the, you know, my ski boots on and, you know, I'm putting, you know, like I had shampoo to get my feet in because it's just when it gets wet, it would take me an hour to do it. So I get all in, I have my ski boots on, I got my wetsuit and my light vest and, and I got the skis and, I brought my ski poles because for me, I mean, that's what skiing is. So I had like, like these little, uh, um, what is it? Flotation things that I basically, you know, put duct tape on them. So that kind of, so everything would float if I just yep. had a garage sale, you know? And uh, so anyway, so we get going and sure enough, my buddies that are towing on these waves come over and they're all, what in the hell is that? What, what is this? Oh my God. We, I cannot wait to see you eat shit. You know, I was like, <laughs> Oh my God. So I was like, that's not going to happen because I have it in my head. It's going to work. So sure enough, my partner tows me into wave. I sling into it and it's just before it breaks and it's just perfect, you know, kind of like moving mountain. And I roll into it, do a turn and I lean into it and I kind of figure out that I have to put more weight on the, on the backs, you know, of the ski. So I can, cause you're kind of riding them like this. So the tips don't go down. And yep. I started to kind of figure out that I could totally make turns. And then I use the ski poles kind of to kind of get my, you know, um, body positioning, right. Kind of like I was skiing it allowed me to kind of really make some real turn. So I get my first wave, I ride all the way to the inside and you kind of have to be in the power zone. You kind of be right in the pocket. Otherwise you go out to the flats and you'll just sink. And I got that all figured out on this one wave. And then I come to the inside and suddenly the whole white water just comes and just engulfs me. And I'm going, Oh man, I'm going down. And I kind of lean back you know, a little bit, and it just kind of stood me up again, and I come shooting out, and I shoot out into the into the uh, safety of the channel, and I was like, oh my god, light bulb just exploded, and I was like, dude, this works, and so I, so I go, dude, I gotta go, you know, get more, and I ended up getting probably like 20 or 30 waves, and wow. was just like high on life, and it worked, and I started linking turns and whatever, and so the cool thing was I, I got a rad shot that went onto the back cover of uh, surfer magazine and just people were just like, what the hell? So 
I was like, well, this is something I'm going to, you know, kind of work on all myself. It's not going to be anything rad, but for me, it's just, it's, I was super amped on it, you know? And so a couple of years went by. Um, then I had this opportunity to go with Mike Douglas. Um, you know, those guys that had done it in first place and he was in tune. He had a great TV show and Solomon TV and he was connected with Red Bull and they're like, dude, um, we want to film you going to Jaws. And I was like, cause that to me is like the Alaska of skiing. Like that is the epitome. I'm going to do this. This is really where I'm going to, this is going to be my proving point, you know? So we went there, we had this gnarly swell that came and um, it was a little bit too close. It didn't, it didn't come from super far away. So there was a lot of wind connected with it. So we get there, we're towing. There's a ton of teams out there. It's chaos. There's, you know, hundreds of people on the cliff shooting. And uh, I, I brought the skis and had them on one of our safety boats and we were towing and whatever. And then it started to get windy. And I'm like, you know what? I've got, you know, a helicopter with a camera guy. I've got people on the cliff with a camera. I need to do this. You know, there is no like, do I not feel like it? No, this is the, the time is now and the conditions weren't perfect. So I said, all right, so we put everything on. My partner pulls me out into the lineup amongst all the guys and they're just looking at me like, dude, you're nuts. You've lost it, dude. We're going to watch you eat it. You know, and that's, that was what it was all about. We're going, there's no way he's going to make it. So the helicopter's up in the air. We take off on a couple of waves. I don't get kind of dialed yet. You know, it's, it's a lot of energy going on and I'm freaking out a little bit and adrenaline is just going through my head. Finally, a big set comes, we go way outside. Everybody's going right. And I decide, all right, let's go left because I don't want to be entangled with anybody. I don't know what's going to happen. And um, let's just go for it. So we go, we take off the jet ski drivers going down the line and he starts the peel away to the right and I kind of use the end of the ski rope to kind of get as much speed as possible I let go and I'm going down this you know the start of the mountain it's just starting to hit the reef and really kind of build up behind me at the same time the helicopter starts to come down to get a better shot and all the rotor wash and the air and the wind is driving at me and slows me down completely and I'm sitting there feeling that I'm going to miss this wave and who knows what's behind me. And so I end up like taking the ski poles and leaning forward and I'm like pushing in the water, trying to get myself forward. And as luck would have it, just the, the weight kind of got me to the edge and the wave just started to throw and I'm sitting on the edge and I end up dropping off like a corn cornice and end up going and riding out of the white water. And I end up just having this wild, gnarly, bumpy ride all the way to the channel and come out. And was just like, oh my God, I knew it would work, you know, and it was just at a whole nother level. And I ended up getting two more. And, and I, I just said, you know what? Laird had told me something back in the day is going, hey, don't get greedy, you know, just get one, get two. But if once you get past three, you're getting greedy and that's when something's going to happen. And so I just took that at heart and uh, I got my third wave. Everything kind of came out and it worked out insane. Everybody was blown away. And the next day, the swell was smaller, but no one was out. And so I went back out and we rode for like four hours on the skis and I got them so dialed and just had a blast with it. And then it, it, it really worked insane. And it was just something that it's like when you're drawing that little surfer on a giant wave, you know, in, in school and you're going, dude, that's so cool. And now it's like, you know, we took it from paper and put it out there and it works insane. And then this winter, I had not to keep dragging on, but I had the opportunity. We had a giant swell at Mavericks 
And um, I ended up going out there and getting one wave. And it was just one wave, but it just exploded, you know, on social media and just um, was one of those bucket list things that I wanted to do and was very fortunate. And uh, of course, I wanted a bunch of waves, but it allowed me to really appreciate that, hey, I got the opportunity to do that at a place I didn't think I was going to be able to do do something that kind of crazy. And uh, it's it's an insane feeling doing something that is so against the grain, you know, of what people think are possible. And I know that you, you and a lot of kayak guys do a lot of that. And that's, I think, really part of growing, you know, as an athlete and pushing the sports that we're into, you know, it's, it's really cool. Dude, that's such, such an incredible story. And I, I love how so many of your, whether it was your friends or just people told you like that you couldn't do it and, and kind of going back, like almost full circle back to what you started at the very start when you were just like, man, I'm, I don't care what you guys think. Like, this is my style and I'm just going to do it do it my way. And, and I love that you, you just like live that through all the way. And you're just like, no, I, I don't care if, you know, if the surfers don't think this is cool or if all my buddies think I'm just going to eat, eat it. Like, I'm just going to do my own thing and, and do, you know, be authentic, do me. And it's just, it's super cool to see you because it's so unique. Uh, at least when, when I look at it, like when I see you surfing the waves and stuff like that, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's just something really, really cool to, to, to witness and to see. So, um, full props to you for that. And, and way to just like, I don't know if, if, if you call it going against the grain or what, but I just think it's super cool that, that you're just like, just doing it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I look at it as like when we are talking about just, like you said, being, being authentic and doing your own thing. Like it doesn't matter what people think. If you're having a blast, that's all that matters, you know? Yeah, no, it really is all that matters. Chuck, I don't want to take up too much of your time. This has been very, very uh, thought-provoking no conversation. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to move us on to the next section of the show that I call the fire round, and I'm just going to fire a couple quick questions off at you. But before we jump into our fire round, here's a word from our sponsors. Personally, I've had my fair share of injuries over the years, and I can honestly say that CBD has been one of my go-tos for any recovery. Whether it be something like a separated AC joint or tendonitis or sore muscles, CBD oil has helped me with it all. I've even used it to simply reduce my stress and even sleep better at night. So if you want to give it a try and start feeling better already, then I have something for you. How would you like an additional $50 off the Calm CBD oil that I personally use from Touchstone Essentials? So simply head to www.thegoodinside.com forward slash art of awesome and sign up now your body will thank you um so chuck do you have a favorite quote that you live by i i mean i don't know i always throw out quotes and stuff but i think uh gosh maybe it's more of a like a message of you know never stop doing what you love you know i love that and i think that's i mean yeah i'll just go with that one (laughs) i i think that's perfect i think it, it it one, it's it's so true, but two, it, it speaks so much of your story as well. So I, I really love that. I really love that. What might be a lesson that you have learned recently, whether it be through a mistake or through success? Um, lesson that I've learned recently. Um, 
wow, that's I've learned I've learned I, I learned a lot of lessons, but um, I think a lot of it is for me is learning to be more patient as I get older, patient and allowing the process to you know the the time to to have that process unroll, um, and not get too caught up in in the small things. You know, I mean, really just. Go, go with the flow is, I, I guess, the message that um, I've been learning a lot more and more. And I still make mistakes to go against the grain and kind of make it hard on myself. But I think going with the flow has been something that um, has really allowed me to to be a little more, to make things a little more easy. Yeah. I And, and I imagine as a waterman, you, you kind of understand that the physics behind that whole thing going with the flow does make it a little easier. But, but speaking to patients, that's something that I too am regularly working on and i think being a a parent it's like man patience is uh i don't know i'm i'm always working on it dude it's uh it's definitely what i need to work on the most for sure yeah (laughs) i mean i i can definitely appreciate it i mean uh being around kids and i have a lot of friends that have kids and then you know trish we we've got two boys and um you know uh being a parent is is one of the hardest jobs there is but it's also very satisfying and i think like you said patience is huge because i drove my mom nuts and uh probably drove her patience through the roof so you know but that's uh that's how we are (laughs) yeah i love that um chuck do you have a favorite book or a current book or even podcast or anything that you're reading listening to anything like that i mean i with all the stuff that I do, I really should read a lot more and I, I really don't. I mean, I do a lot of stuff maybe online and, and reading certain things. I mean, podcasts, I listen to a lot of stuff. Joe Rogan um, is very interesting. Um, you know, uh, Stig Severinsen, you know, with Breathology, he's got always a lot of really cool content and stuff that I kind of look into. And, um, you know, he being kind of a, a world, you know, um, class athlete that's kind of just pushing and has so many world records and stuff. Um, and, and then, and then there's guys like Richard Branson. That's a, another person, just, just people that I kind of really like their zest for life and, yeah. and that have a lot of great life lessons. Um, that's kind of my thing, but I do, that's one thing. It's hard for me to sit down and, and read a book. My gal reads books all the time, but I, I just am like, my mind just ends up going, I should be outside doing something. And, you know, so that, <laughs> maybe that, as they get older, <laughs> that ADD kicks in, eh? <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, Chuck, if you could go back in time to any time throughout your life and give yourself one piece of advice, what might it be? Wow. Um, yeah, that's a, uh, <laughs> wow. That's, that's a, that's a good deep one. One, um, hmm. Maybe not get caught up in what people think. I think I, when I was younger, I, I, I actually learned pretty quick to get out of that. But I, I think that for me, like being in school, I was, um, I went to a really nice school, and we didn't have a lot of money because we were all about travel, and I kind of took that for granted. And um, I think I was so worried about like I need to have a polo shirt you know, for school, I need to have vans, I need to have these, these material items that, that, that people think are cool and, and have a label. And I think for me, um, I learned that 
it, that stuff doesn't matter, you know, and, and, and not worry about material stuff. It's, it's really about the moments and the adventures and the people we surround ourselves with. And, and that's what matters. And as I get older, that's exactly what matters. And, and so that's been kind of a lesson from being younger. I didn't really understand it. And then as I got older, it made complete sense. And, um, and that to me is, is super important. I, I, again, couldn't agree more. And, and I also struggled with that as I was younger, probably still struggle with it a little bit, but it's something that I, um, that I definitely have realized. And I too am continually trying to work on just like, don't care what others think. And just, yeah, again, I, I kind of keep using the same term, be authentic, but just like, you know, be true to yourself and, and yeah, don't worry about the others. Chuck, this has been so awesome getting to catch up with you, getting to just have this conversation. Something that I try to do with all of my interviews is add value when I can. So is there anything that you're focusing on right now that I could possibly help out with or maybe even my listeners? I mean, for me, I with my ADD, I love all different sports and spending the time with you and the crew. I mean, I, I think I've been very fortunate to, to get to know some of the best athletes and the most humble athletes in so many different sports. And I always like learning different things. And, and um, you know, as you get older, if you're, if you're not learning, you're really not living. And for me, I love to learn because it just keeps me young at heart. And I think, I, my, one of my bucket lists that I've always chatted with you about is obviously to run a rad waterfall, whether I get hurt or whatever, I don't <laughs> care. But for me is to spend some time with you and to kind of really dive a little deeper in the kayak um, realm and then maybe fast track with, with my head thinking that I can do it all and, and, you know, um, run some cool water, but, but, you know, obviously with, you know, a better skill level, you know, and, and cause I really like, I do have to say, and I'm probably making this longer thing, but the time that, that I spent with you and Dane and, you know, um, your wife, everybody, um, it's such a cool community. And that to me is a, is a huge draw to a lot of the sports that I've done in my entire life. And I, I love that community and to learn something that, that takes me out of my comfort zone is what I truly live for. And um, that's something that I definitely, you know, want to do. But what can I do for you? <laughs> Chuck, yeah. you're, you're doing it, man. You're this podcast, just get, taking some of your time to, uh, to talk with me is, is uh, enough already. But I guess what you can do for me is you can come kayak with me, dude. I'm, for me, just watching you go, like, just jump into a sport that that really you have, you know, very little knowledge in and just full commit and go for it is always amazing for me to witness because it reminds me, like, I need to do this in surfing. I need to do this in skiing. I need to do this in, in all aspects of life. Like, put yourself into that uncomfortable position and go for it. And you do that in kayaking all the time. And, and I definitely want to, whether we do it this, this spring, summer or fall, but I, I definitely would love, uh, to get together with you for whether it's a couple days or a couple weeks and just dial in your paddling and, and we'll go find some waterfalls. And it, I would be honored to, uh, to, to be there at the bottom, uh, doing safety for you to run a waterfall. So let's make it happen. 
Dude, that sounds awesome. I'll be stoked. And maybe we'll do something really cool where we can do something in uh, in the surf realm or even in the snow. And uh, I'll repay that favor. Awesome. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you. I, I would love to go eat surfing or in the snow with you. So so any of that, um, I'd, I'll, I'll take you up on that offer for sure. Last question. Uh, actually, before we get to the last question, right. if, for anybody out there that wants to kind of follow along your incredible journey, uh, where's maybe the best place for, for someone to, to just follow along or maybe to reach out and contact you? I mean, I think one of the best where it kind of allows people to kind of see my story a little bit is uh, Instagram, which is Chuck Patterson. Um, and then uh, my website um, is just kind of has a little more information and that's chuckpattersonathlete.com and then Facebook and, and whatnot. And then, I mean, there's probably a lot of scary stuff on YouTube that's just kind of fun, but uh, yeah, those are the kind of the social media seems to be a, a, a good place. It seems awesome. <laughs> Awesome. I'll, I'll throw the links to that, but uh, highly encourage anybody out there to go give Chuck a follow if you don't already and reach out because just one of my favorite athletes, an incredible guy and more than just athletics. Uh, I just, I love your personality, your zest for life and love getting to hang out with you. Um, last question of the day for you, Chuck, what is your definition of awesome? My definition of awesome is striving for that insane dream moment in your head um, and accomplishing it. And I think everything that goes with it, with the trials and tribulations, uh, the beat downs and the hard work that went into it and then finally succeeding. And it can be either in doing or it could be a moment uh, in nature when you just you know, get to a beautiful place and you allow yourself to get lost in it. That to me is awesome. That truly is awesome. Chuck, thank you again so much for your time. Um, for all of our listeners out there, I hope you guys got some value out of Chuck's story. I hope you guys uh, heed his advice and chase those dreams, be authentic, go for it. And yeah, I mean, I, I just... I truly think you've got an incredible story. If you guys did get value out of this, please, if you guys could just share it out with uh, one with one person, with a family member, with a friend, or throw it up on your social media, however you guys would like to share it, would greatly um, help us you know, build our community, share this message out. So if you could share it out, uh, it would be greatly appreciated by me. So thank you for doing that. I'm Nick Troutman signing off, wishing you guys all an awesome day. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.